All right. So uh, today we're, we're going to uh, put on hold our study through the book of Romans. Um, there is a special message that I'm going to share with you in regards to um, the mothers that we see in the Bible. You know, I was thinking, I was just thinking about how we know that there are some children um, who were impacted, influenced by their mothers through the word. We see it um, in, in see these uh, situations, these events in the Bible. And I was thinking how it was that um, moms, godly moms, uh, moms who love the Lord, what it was that they would share with their children. In um, 3 John 1, 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. A mom who's walking with the Lord who knows her relationship uh, with Jesus Christ um, would agree with that. Um, She would also agree with what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, which says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Moms, I know that this is something that you would share with your own children. That you would share the truth with them. That isn't, it, faith isn't something to be sugar-coated or, or really treated um, flippantly. It ought to be shared in its entirety, in context, not manipulated to fit your own perspective, your own view, but treat it in a way in which the Lord would be glorified. I know that moms that love the Lord would say this also. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You know, never have I seen, not in my lifetime, the darkness that we see in the world, the perversion, the, just the darkness, evil, wickedness, sexual immorality is rampant. Good is bad and bad is good. The things that we see uh, celebrated on TV is absolutely wicked in so many ways. So never has there been a greater need for moms and dads, for us to walk in the truth and share these truths with our children. I have no doubt that these things would be shared by godly women. You know, and that's one thing that I want to encourage you with this morning. 
to share with you, encourage you with a faith that is worth passing along. Not a timid faith, not a soft or timid faith, but a courageous faith. One that um, will do a, an effective work in the lives of our children and the lives of many others. So please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. This is um, Paul's second letter to Timothy. Timothy is his protege, is someone who um, he considered to be a child, uh, a, a, a child in the faith, a son in the faith, and um, he was um, teaching him. And so he writes this letter to Timothy, and he starts out with these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Heavenly Father, as we study your word this morning, as we consider, Lord, the impact that mothers and grandmothers, godly women, have had on their sons, I ask, Lord, that you would help us to also consider the countless lives that have been impacted because of that. Not only that person, not only that child, but Lord, even as we As we just read, the Apostle Paul himself was encouraged by this young man, Timothy, who was a student of your word, encouraged by mother and grandmother. Here was a man who was prayed over, and yet he did not lead a life of safety. No, Lord. He was a man who courageously stepped out and desired to fulfill your will. Truly, Lois and Eunice could say, along with the Apostle John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my child, Timothy, is walking the truth. 
I ask, Lord, that you would, in whatever way you wish, desire this morning to speak to us, to encourage us, to rebuke us, to exhort us, to build us up, to refine us, to, to strengthen us, Lord, according to your word. And, Lord, that your spirit would teach us the truth of your word. Lord, that if we are that Timothy, Lord, that we would be reminded of what is important to you, what would be honoring to you. If moms or dads, Lord, that we would be mindful of the impact that we can have on our children and many others simply because we are faithful to you and trusting to our children that which we have come to know. And so, Father, we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing. May you be glorified this morning in, the, in and through this teaching. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. So, <clears throat> mothers in the Bible, we've, um, I know we've, we've gone through some of these mothers. In fact, we... Uh, you know, we have some not-so-good examples in the Bible. Uh, you know, if you consider the impact that uh, women like Lois and Eunice had on a man such as Timothy, we also need to consider um, other women who are unnamed, and yet we see perhaps the influence that they had on their children. We have women like Jezebel, Ananias, and Sapphira, and I, I mention those because whether you like it or not, there's an influence, there's an impact that you have on your children. So we need to consider that. What's the alternative? If, you know, I mentioned Jezebel, but I had also mentioned earlier the world in which we live in. Because if we walk in sensuality, if we, if we celebrate promiscuity or sexual immorality, then what is it that we're teaching our children? Those are things that we need to consider. Because no matter what, the influence that we have on our kids will influence other people. Do we want to be parents as we see here, and I had mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 1, that had this godly influence on their children, and therefore that impacted them, not only in their circle of influence, but still today is resonating in our very own lives. Timothy being used as an example. The Apostle Paul having an impact on him and Timothy on Paul. We need to choose. Jochbed was the mother of Moses, Hannah, the mother of Samuel, the prophet, Naomi, the mother-in-law of Ruth, Lois and Eunice, as we read, the grandmother and mother of Timothy, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Think about that. Our kids walking in the truth. Remember, as I prayed, I, was, I said, he did not, these children... And ourselves as parents ought to not be so wrapped up in safety, keeping them in a cocoon, but rather walking in faith boldly and courageously. Because John the Baptist didn't walk in safety, did he? We're going to learn a little bit about him in a few moments. And then there was Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
You know, Proverbs 1, 8, 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I also wonder about Isaiah the prophet's mother. We know he was the son of Amos and a man of God who saw a vision in the Lord. And this is how he responded when the Lord asked this question. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he replied, here I am, send me. Is that what we're being taught? Is that what we're teaching? That when you recognize, when you hear the voice of God, that you are so willing at that moment to say, here I am, send me. I wonder about Jeremiah the prophet's mother. You know, he was known as the weeping prophet. He wasn't, in the eyes of the world, very successful. In fact, no one responded to him to repent. He didn't have one convert. Can you imagine that? And yet he was faithful. He was a man who walked in the truth. He was brokenhearted over Israel forsaking the Lord and was faithful to God in bringing call after call to Israel to repent and turn back to the Lord. I also wonder about the apostles' mothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. What about Paul's? What was taught? What was was their home like? How are they prepared? What made the difference? How were they taught the word? Was it, how was it reinforced? You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a good word. That is the truth that is found in Scripture. But is this the way it always works out? You see, our children also have free will. They have the power to choose, to receive or reject. Perhaps this verse is important also since children do have that free will. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your mother and your father. To honor them is to respect them, to believe them. As kids, we ought to, especially if we have a mother who's walking with the Lord, why would we ever think that they're out to harm us? Moms, you guys purposely harm, want to like give bad advice to your children? Raise your hand so we can... No? Not a one, right? And yet our kids, sometimes they act like that. They, the way they respond, young and old, as if, oh my goodness, I'm giving you the most wicked counsel I could give you. I'm bringing you great harm. No, I'm not. We're not. They are not. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says uh, in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, wherever you go, you're, you're living out the word and you're teaching that to your kids. The best example and encouragement is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might because this is what the Lord is pleased with. It's, it's a faith in action. This is what honors Him. In fact, it's good with that said to consider who it is that Jesus considered to be mother and brothers. In Matthew chapter 12, Verse 46, uh, Jesus had been teaching, uh, performing miracles, and, uh, and it says here in verse 46, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Now, you, if, if you think back, you know that his, his brothers did not believe in uh, that he was the Christ, right? They, they didn't. But they were outside. And his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is, this is my family. These are the ones that for me, Jesus speaking, it wasn't just anyone. It was Jesus who was speaking. These are my brothers, my sisters, my mother. This is family right here, my eternal family. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Why is that? Just because we want you to walk in the truth, just because we want you to walk in the same faith? Not necessarily. But because if you do, if you love Jesus Christ, and you have that salvific faith, you will know salvation. You will know a forgiveness of your sins. You will know a hope that goes beyond this earth in any circumstances that you're faced with. That's why. The mother who loves the Lord and shows it by doing his will is one who will exemplify a faith that is worth following. A mother who will lead another to the Lord and give them the best encouragement to follow Jesus Christ. This is what was common among the women mentioned earlier. Jochbed, Hannah, Naomi, Lois and Eunice, Elizabeth, and Mary. I know even Mary, upon being told that she was going to be giving birth to the Son of God, had this to say. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Imagine that. What what kind of faith is that? It, It all comes down to the word. That's why it's important to know the word. Because at any given time, This is how we can give counsel to our kids, to each other. 
We can go to the word and say, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. This is a faith with substance, a faith acted upon, a faith worth passing along. You know, in Exodus chapter 2, if you want to turn with me there, Exodus chapter 2, we have the story of, um, of a couple, Jochbed and Amram, who were, and this was father and mother of Moses. They were not uh, around in, uh, in, in easy times. In fact, they were enslaved. Um, they were in bondage, you could say. They were oppressed. They faced great difficulties. And in fact, as the children of Israel continued to increase in numbers, what happened was that the Pharaoh was not only putting greater requirements upon them, being harsh toward them, but at some point even required that the males that were born would be put to death. You know, Exodus chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him uh, a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance. This is Miriam. Miriam. Uh, and, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to, to him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sisters said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. It's a wonderful story. Again, you know, we see the faithfulness of a woman who did not fear Pharaoh. That's not why she hid him. It wasn't out of fear. It was because she had great faith and valued this life. She saw something in Moses, perhaps sense, was discerning that something was going to happen in his life, perhaps used by the Lord, and indeed we know that he was. They lived in difficult times, though. In fact, there was a point, as I said, that the Hebrew midwives were ordered to kill all the male children who were born, but to allow the females to live. But the Hebrew midwives feared the Lord. They didn't do as they were told. And they gave excuses to why they couldn't. And finally, the king of Egypt ordered all of his people, every son, so not just to the midwives, but to everyone, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Exodus one twenty two. But even in the midst of persecution, 
even in the midst of oppression. The Israelites continue to live, they continue to thrive, and Amram and Jochbed married and had a child. You know, in, in the midst of difficulties in life, in the midst of darkness, do not ever give up hope. The Lord is still on the throne. This is the kind of boldness, this is the kind of courage that ought to be exemplified within the church. Not to retreat, but to advance. Knowing that we can walk in the strength of the Lord. Teach that to your kids. Well, knowingly, endangering herself and her son, Jochbed hid Moses for three months from the Egyptians, caring for him, loving him, nurturing him. But after three months, she knew she could no longer hide him. You know, it's a three-month-old child. Those of you who have had children, you know, when they're first born, they have this cry that is cute. Would you agree? Uh, most children, when they're first born, they have like this, it's not like, um, well, we know at a certain point, something happens. Their vocal cords like, like develop or something. And all of a sudden, we know that cry that's like, wow. That's a special cry. <laughs> Let's go make sure uh, we tend to that baby. But after three months, Jochbed could not, she knew she couldn't continue to hide Moses. And so hoping that, she, that he would be found by a compassionate Egyptian and cared for, Miriam went along uh, the, the river as she had made a little waterproof canoe for him and sent him downriver, knowing that her son could possibly drown in the Nile, but he could also be found and killed by an Egyptian if she kept him. She simply trusted that God would care for Moses, and her faith allowed her to let him go. Now Moses' parents did not hide Moses for three months and they let him go out of fear. That's a wrong assumption because the Bible makes it very clear that that wasn't the case. They were a people, they were people of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So it wasn't an act of fear. It was an act of courage. Moses was taught the things of God, all the while Jochbed, his mother, had him in her care. He knew that he was a Hebrew and that and, and he chose to fear God, to honor him. Moses was taught an immovable faith by a woman who stood faithful, even in the face of oppression and difficulties. There was also Hannah. Hannah was barren. You can turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Hannah is another example of a wonderful woman of faith. She was not treated well. In fact, at a certain point, she was so distraught, she was just um, overwhelmed that she pleaded with the Lord for a child. They had gone to Shiloh, 
says, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, this verse 9, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will go but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman, and Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. And the God of Israel, grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. All of that, the word that she received, her pleading with the Lord, is all an expression of faith. She was in deep distress. Hannah went to the Lord. In hearing, Hannah believed the word of God and immediately demonstrated it. She was no longer in that state of being downcast. In practice, Hannah kept her promise to the Lord just as she had made because the Lord, a year later, she was... With child, she had a child, she weaned him, and you know what she did? She handed him over to the Lord and his service just as she said she would. Her firstborn. You know, I don't know how many people ask for something, and when the Lord gives it to them, they're so reluctant to give it up to the Lord. No matter what it is. Oh, give me this, give me this, give me this. And what happens is, the person receives that at times, not always, but when oftentimes they do, they're tight-fisted. Hannah didn't do that. She handed over, imagine this, her firstborn, the Lord's service. She was a woman of her word, and she taught Samuel to trust God and follow him, to also be a man of his word. This is indeed a faith worth passing along. And then as we read Lois and Eunice, the grandmother and mother of Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. You know, the Apostle Paul also goes on to say, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is why I'm encouraging you also, all of us together, to express that same kind of faith. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control or discipline. We discussed this the other day in um, a devotion. We were sharing, uh, me and a, a group of men here, the leadership, and we were talking about this very thing. You know, the, 
the people who will not express a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Discipline will be those who are mature in Christ, who know the Word of God and know how to apply it. Uh, that's, a, that's an expression of strength. And this is indeed what was found in the grandmother and mother of Timothy. They passed that along to their, their child, Timothy. Two generations of godly motherhood. Timothy was brought up under the sincere godly faith of two women. It wasn't a, a flimsy faith. It wasn't a, a faith that would not be passed along, but would be instilled in Timothy. It was a known true faith in the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe, the one and only saving God. Timothy was taught God's word by two generations of women who loved God. This was a faith lived out and taught, a faith known and shared with their grandson and son Timothy. This is an example of faithful, faithfully teaching the word of God and a son who honored his mother and grandmother, who received. You, you see, there's, there's always a sowing, but there has to be a receiving of that word. As mother and grandmother shared with Timothy, Timothy could express that honor in such a way that he simply received that word and believed it, just as they had. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. That's found in Luke chapter 1. So Luke chapter 1. We know that... <clears throat> And we know that, uh, that Elizabeth being the mother of John the Baptist, uh, Zechariah was his father. Uh, word did come to Zechariah and to Elizabeth of who it was that they were going to have as a child. She was barren at, at an old age. She was advanced in years. And so it was truly a miracle that she even conceived. And yet they had to express a faith knowing that that which they were told was true. And they had to act on that. Zechariah was visited by Gabriel the angel. Zechariah actually became mute because of his unbelief until it was all fulfilled. Imagine that. How is this going to happen? Yep, you're mute up until the day in which your son would be born. At that point, he named him John because that is what he was told the child would be. Named. Now they were both righteous, both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. In chapter 1, verse 6 says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And regardless of their circumstances, they were faithful to bless and serve the Lord, teaching their child to fear the Lord and to serve him all of his days. In fact, John the Baptist, was he some timid? Weak, frail man? No. He was a man out in the wilderness. What, did, what was his diet? Locusts and honey. He, he must have dressed real, really well out there, right? What was he dressed in? You guys remember what he was dressed in? Camel's hair? 
Whew. Must have been itchy. No, he was a, he was a tough man. A tough, tough man. But more than this, not just his diet, what he wore, that's not what was important. What was important was that he desired to do the will of the Lord. He was even willing to do that which was really unpopular. Call out the religious leaders, those who were hypocrites, to call them hypocrites. And to call everyone to repentance. That's what he was doing. He was preparing the way for the Lord. And he was doing it in that manner. You know, you know that's still unpopular today. You know that, right? Oh, you want to get some backlash from the church? Call out someone who's a hypocrite within the church. Call out a false teacher. Someone who's teaching false doctrine. Um, and you'll get some backlash from the church. And yet, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In other words, those who John the Baptist was so bold and courageous to call out. Why? Because he was faithful to the Lord. John was taught a faith worth possessing. Also in Luke chapter 1, and, and, and I'm not reading this, but you can jot it down. You can jot down Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through um, 30, um, 38. I'm sorry. Um, verse 33. And then, um, and then take a look at what we're going to see here. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, in verse 26, it says, The sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the, the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... Your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And this is Mary. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, this, this is one of the things that with Mary that I love is that she didn't ask any other question except how. How will this be done? Not if it will be done, but the word was already spoken. It's as good as done. She just simply asked, how is that going to happen since I am a virgin, right? So Mary regarded herself as a servant of the Lord and submitted to the word of God. 
Mary's last recorded words is found in John chapter 2, verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary, the mother of Jesus, these were her last words, recorded words. It's very important for us to understand that Mary knew exactly who was going to be born to her and that he is the creator of the universe. Imagine that, the Lord, the Christ, the Messiah, was going to be born. And he was. And he lived a perfect life. And at one point, she simply said, do whatever he tells you. You know, in Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. She indeed expressed a faith that was pleasing to the Lord. All of these mothers had one thing in common. They, they all exercised faith in the Lord, in his word. And in this, what came about, what was the legacy they left in their wake? Well, we're still experiencing the impact, the effects of that wake. Hearts that are inclined toward the Lord. An encouragement to know God's word and live it out. To be courageous, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. To serve him. That mothers like Hannah, who simply gave Samuel as she promised to the Lord in his service. These are the types of things that we ought to think about in our own lives. People that were used by God to bless others through them. Moses was a son who was chosen by God to lead God's people out of slavery, out of Egypt, under the oppression of Pharaoh. He led them for 40 years in the wilderness and prepared Joshua to lead them into the promised land. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground as it says in 1 Samuel 3.19. He was the last judge of Israel leading them until the Israelites demanded a king for themselves just like the rest of the world, the rest of the nations. And then Samuel was directed to anoint not only Saul but also David. He was used mightily by the Lord. Timothy was a man used by God in the early church to prepare, organize, contend for and build up the church in sound doctrine in the wild, worldly city of Ephesus. His influence in God's faith with God's people, like I've said, is still felt today. We are encouraged by the life of Timothy. And John the Baptist, what can be said of him? He may have looked... And probably smelled wild. But he was a faithful man. He was used mildly by the Lord. He was a man used by God to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And he said, keep in mind what Mary said. And here's what John said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he said in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Faithful, godly men. Men who were used mightily by the Lord. John wasn't afraid of anything or anyone. 
I'm sure it would have made Zechariah and Elizabeth so proud. Here's a man, here's our son, who stands in his faith, regardless of what kind of opposition or trials he comes up against. Oh, you know, for parents, parents who are walking with the Lord, our our kids, you may face certain challenges in life. But if we know that you're walking with the Lord, you're trusting in Him, we're, we're at peace. It's okay. Because even through those trials, we know God's Word. We know that verses like James 1, 2 through 4 applies to you. And Romans 8, 28. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We know Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We can rest in the assurance that even with lives like Joseph, that when his brothers didn't understand God's character, didn't understand a, a, a man who stood on the truth of God's word in faith, even though everything looked a certain way, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, am I in the place of God? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Oh, there's so many things that worked out. We know that as parents, if you're walking with the Lord in his truth, you'll be okay. You'll persevere. You'll continue to cling to and trust in and walk with the Lord, who not only gives you a, an abundant life here, but also reassures you and assures you of a hope that is beyond this world. That when we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, he will safely bring us into his very presence for all eternity. A heart that is inclined toward Jesus is what we desire. I hope that all of us have that type of a heart. One that is filled with compassion, a gentle and leading in time of need to Christ. All lived and proclaimed one God and Lord, one Savior. Again, I leave you with this. A godly mom could say one thing that she desires of her children. It would be this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Because this is God's heart and desire for all. Because it's aligned with God's heart. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> this is a faith worth passing along. Lord, I I know that we've been focusing on, as we've mentioned, as we've been reminded of the faithfulness of these women, these moms. But Lord, this should be us, Lord, all of us. We should be diligent, not only to be students of the word ourselves, to be faithful to you, to walk in your truth, but to also teach 
others, Lord, to encourage them and exhort them and teach them, Lord, according to your word. And so, Father, we surrender to you once more. We yield to your truth. We ask that you'd be glorified in and through us. And if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus is Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning, today would be the day of salvation. Today would be a day in which we recognize Jesus as Lord, as Savior. Today that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would seal us for the day of redemption. That we would recognize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, past, present, and future. That in Christ we're new creatures with new desires and a renewed hope, a hope that is immovable, that leads to a faith that is steadfast in you. Why? Because we've come to first know your, your love through Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We are truly grateful for your mercies and your grace and your love. We give you all the praise and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name.